coming on. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the show. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm Pete Callender, And the number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And, of course, you can email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com. Um, so, real quick, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I thought this was, like, fantastic visuals. Um, did you see the Hunger Games costume ball last night? That was fantastic. There was some, no, for real. There was like some AOC lookalike who showed up and she was wearing this white dress, looked like a Chick-fil-A bag. And it says, uh, tax the rich, I think is what it said on the back of it. It was hilarious. I mean, it was so great. Nailed it. I mean, looked just like her. Dead ringer. Also, that singer who did the, what was it? Hometown Road, whatever it was. Uh, that guy. Um, and yeah, the one he did like the, the Satan sneakers or something. He got all dressed up as Dot Matrix. Another hilarious costume. It was like, it was sort of like a parody uh, Hunger Games. Yeah, Dot Matrix. Dot Matrix, she was the, she was Princess Vespa's personal droid in the documentary Spaceballs. Do you remember? Yeah, the gold, that, yeah. Hilarious costumes. I thought they really, they really did a good job. Um, Let's see. Today on the show, we've got uh, the Speaker of the House of North Carolina, Tim Moore joining us. That'll be at two o'clock. It's Tuesday with Tim. I think I just, I think I just figured out the branding. Tuesdays with Tim. Um, so we'll get to that uh, at two. Obviously, we're also going to talk about the uh, redistricting. All right, no, the no. I will make it exciting and compelling and rich. It will be uh, the city council. the The Charlotte City Council is actually going to do their redistricting, and as the number two slash three, because it's kind of a tie, criteria are the very criteria that Democrats have sued Republicans to get removed when drawing maps. But it's different when we do it. So we'll get to that. First, got to start with this story that apparently WSOC-TV Uh, was the first to report about it, but the lengthier piece here that I found is uh, by Allison Kuznets, or Kuznets, Kuznets? Anyway, uh, reporter from the Charlotte Observer. The Mecklenburg County attorney is looking into whether somebody voted on behalf of County Commissioner Ella Scarborough, which that's not possible, okay? It's just impossible because vote fraud does not exist, right? That's what we've been told. We have been told it does not exist. So nobody votes on behalf of anybody else. That just does not happen. This was at a virtual board meeting last week, according to County Commissioner's Chairman, George Dunlap. Dunlap said there is no allegation of impropriety. No, of course not. No, don't even worry about it. You know, people vote for each other all the time when it's not happening. Um. He said Scarborough is not under any kind of a formal investigation. It's just uh, it's a friendly interrogation. OK, it's all it is. You know, they, maybe they're going to turn like they're going to have her come in and sit down and they're going to turn the overhead light on. But they're not going to, like, knock it so it swings back and forth to create that effect, you know, of the light swinging back and forth over your eyes. No, they're not doing that. So it's not formal. They're just friends talking is all. Dunlap says, though, that the county attorney, Tyrone Wade, has been notified by Dunlap that Scarborough's daughter, instead of Scarborough herself, 
might have verbally cast a vote last Wednesday. Ellis Scarborough was not the one who voted on what they say here was the um, pay raise for the county manager, Dina DiOrio. Now, I don't know here what the uh, what that vote total was because it's not listed in the story, and I just I did not go back because I mean it's to me, I mean it yes it's a it could have been a deciding vote I kind of doubt it but it it could have been a deciding vote, but that's not really the point. The point is not on what vote did it happen. The point is that it happened at all because we did not elect Ella Scarborough's daughter to cast the vote. Now maybe Commissioner Scarborough was in the restroom and told her daughter, "Hey, you know what? Just vote." Yes, for me while I'm in the restroom or something. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe I just gave her a pretty legitimate excuse to use, which, by the way, it's a pretty good excuse. You know, like if you ever need to call in sick, I mean, aside, well, back in the pre-COVID era, because now you could just call in sick with any kind of a a cough, you know, like, oh, I lost my sense of taste and smell for some reason, like stay home, right? But before COVID, one of the best excuses ever was, and I don't want to be graphic here, but let's just say, uh, you were you could not control certain bodily functions, in particular one that requires a restroom be nearby. Like you could say that because no one's going to ask for a doctor's note for something like that, and they darn sure don't want you in the office with them, right? They know you can't perform your duties if you're, well, performing duties. So like you can't like there there's very uh, there's very limited chances of you getting caught. In such a fabrication, not that I am advocating anybody lie to get out of work. I'm not saying that, obviously. I'm just saying that if if you were a terrible person and you needed to, that would be a pretty good excuse. So this would be maybe an excuse to use. Okay, I went to the restroom. Sorry, uh, I had my daughter there and I just told her vote yes. But see, here's the problem. There's a bit of an issue here that I was not really aware of, but apparently... As Well, let me read this sentence here. It's the latest incident that has called Scarborough's mental fitness into question. Excuse me? But, wait, wait, what? How many of these incidents have there been exactly? Is the, do we have a county commissioner that is mentally unfit for the office? And I'm not saying this to be cruel or anything, but like, I'm genuinely curious, like people know this, is this a known thing? You know, the oftentimes, I mean, these are elected officials and uh, county staffers, people who know her obviously must know this, right? If she is in, if, if she's of diminished mental capacity due to, you know, some disease. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this to be cruel or to mock or anything. It's terrible. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's. It's awful. But it, 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 does she have something like that going on? Because she's not going to be an effective representative of her constituents. If she is, she can get taken advantage of, right? Now, if you're trying to take advantage of a better route to and from the, uh, uh, the job site or something, then listen up right now because Boomer Von Cannon is about to give you an update on traffic. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. <laughs> Mecklenburg County Commissioner, Chairman George Dunlap, uh, apparently uh, had a conversation with the county attorney, Tyrone Wade, 
about a fellow commissioner, Ella Scarborough. Ella Scarborough apparently was supposed to have cast a vote at a meeting recently, and uh, the voice that cast the yes vote was not Ella Scarborough's, at least in the opinion of basically everybody. So Dunlap tells the Charlotte Observer yesterday that the truth of the matter is that anybody who was listening to the meeting and observing the meeting heard a very different voice than the, than what they previously heard from when she did, in fact, vote. Everybody heard it. I called the county attorney this morning to share with him that I heard it and that other commissioners had approached me. Scarborough and her daughter were not able to be reached for comment about this Monday night, but somebody else answered the phone and pretended to be both of them and denied any wrongdoing. So I'm sure it's fine. That's just... Anyway, uh, Dunlap, I'm just... I'm just kidding. Nobody answered the phone. I threw that in just for laughs. See, now, if I had done that when I told the joke, if I had played the the rim shot at the time, see that? 52% funnier, I think. Anyway, uh, Dunlap said that the county likely, likely will not pursue any disciplinary action. Instead, he plans to speak with Scarborough's children who care for the 75-year-old commissioner. Wait, who care for her? Is that like, like they love her, so they care for her, like I care for a person, or is it like like physical, like home health care kind of care, like medical assistance kind of care, like visiting angels type of care? Because... If you're requiring that kind of in-home care, I'm not so sure that you should still be in elective office. And by the way, lest you think I'm just picking on a Democratic commissioner, um, this was the exact same position I held with Strom Thurmond when I was a South Carolina resident all those many years ago. And my friends in South Carolina, in Rock Hill, they tried to convince me to vote for Strom Thurmond because he was an institution. It's Strom Thurmond, you got to vote for Strom. And I said, isn't he like, I don't know, 172 years old? And they were like, yeah, he's really old. I said, yeah, so no, I'm not going to vote for him. But I mean, you have to vote for him. It's Strom Thurmond. I said, I'm not going to vote for somebody who's that old. They Like, he literally, I'd seen the videos of him in his committee meetings. He's not He's not present in mind. His body is there. And but like he's there and like his staffers are doing all of the work. And so like I didn't vote for them. So, no, I'm not going to vote for Strom Thurmond. So um, I'm not just uh, this is not a partisan thing for me. I'm genuinely curious why nobody seems to care about the fact that this woman is in elective office and may not be able to uh, discharge the duties of the office for which she was elected. And. Uh, Dunlap says that uh, he's going to talk to the kids who care for her to make sure they understand that there's some implications if it is determined that someone else in the House is voting on her behalf and hope that would be sufficient to ensure that it doesn't happen again. All right, so at this point, we're only aware of the one time, I guess. Maybe there are other instances of this that has occurred. I'm not sure. But uh, this is the first time I've seen anything about it. It appears to be the first time anybody realized it. Has it happened before? Don't know. It's the latest incident that has called her mental fitness into question. Now, I read the rest of the article, and I don't see any other incidents that are listed. Except 
for one sort of general description. In May, several current and former commissioners who asked not to be named in order to speak freely about their revered colleague. Mm -hmm. So Democrats recalled witnessing episodes before the pandemic when Scarborough appeared confused about her surroundings and struggled to find her way to meetings or could not follow conversations. This seems important. Summit County government have inquired that options for her removal from office are about options to remove her from office, but uh, they've been told that there is not a mechanism to do so. The matter, they say, is up to Mecklenburg voters. The next election is in 2022. Dunlap declined to comment on Scarborough's mental fitness on Monday, saying he's not a medical doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. You don't need to be a medical doctor to describe episodes, right? Uh, If that were the case, then every single family of every single parent uh, or family member uh, who has some sort of uh, dementia-related illness, like they would not be able to describe what they've seen either because they're not medical doctors. He says in the uh, at the end of the piece un, uh, that until such, un, uh, this is what he says, I'm just reading the quote, until such, that person either resigns or is no longer serving, we have to live with the fact that she gets the same vote as every other elected official. What can we do? We can't do anything. And that's not true, of course. You can do something. Like, first off, you could actually, like, divulge to the public the episodes. And you can make this case and you could talk about this publicly if whatever's happening here is not being addressed in private. Because the Democrats are going to get to replace, uh, name her replacement, right? So that's not, like, it's not like you're giving up the seat to a Republican. Democrats are going to be able to put somebody in that seat. So why are you keeping her there? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show. And that's me. It helped to get the job that I was named Pete Callender. Um, so the uh, Charlotte Observer story about the county commissioner's chairman, George Dunlap, going to the county attorney, Tyrone Wade, and discussing whether or not one of his fellow commissioners was the one who actually voted or not on a recent uh, measure that came before the commission because she was dialing in via Zoom, and it was actually it sounded like her daughter that cast the vote, not her. And this is apparently an issue because the commissioner is Ella Scarborough, and uh, Ella Scarborough has been a, you know, she's been in office for a very long time. She's run for, I remember when she was sort of the perpetual mayoral candidate against Pat McCrory. I think he beat her, like, was it three times or something? So... Uh, she was a former city councilwoman, I believe, and that was kind of before my time, and I was here in 2000. So, uh, But I think that's correct. So she's been in one elected office or another or running for elected office for the better part of probably three decades now. She's 75 years old, and there have apparently been questions raised about her ability to uh, perform her duties in these meetings and it has to do with i'm not sure what but her mental fitness is what they describe it as so is she suffering from some form of dementia which is horrible it's a terrible disease but i think it's also something that people need to be aware of like her constituents are not being well served and you know 
And, and let me just, I'll, I'll paint sort of the more nefarious picture here, which is that elected officials can take advantage of her, right? Especially in close votes. They may be able to take advantage of her, and maybe that's what her daughter is doing by sitting with her during the meeting or something. But how much coaching is occurring that's off camera, how much discussion is occurring that's, you know, off mic, off camera while Commissioner Scarborough is home and participating in the meeting, ostensibly. And the chairman, George Dunlap, is like, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. Just going to be up to the voters in 2022. So he seems perfectly content to just let this play out, let it continue as it has been for another year and a half almost. Okay, there is something that they can do. There is something that the county commissioners can do. Uh, They can create a process. They can create a process that removes a county commissioner due to, uh, well, mental, I don't want to say, well, incapacitation, right? If, if, if If you are unable due to medical reasons, you are incapacitated and no longer able to perform the duties of the office, then there should be some sort of a process for that. And if there isn't, maybe you could run an ordinance to, that that defines that. Because, I mean, I can think of a couple of occasions where, like, if, what if you've got uh, an elected official who gets into a car accident and they go to the hospital and now they're put on life support and they cannot perform their duties? And let's say they're kept on life support for a very long time. Do they just get to keep the office until, what, the next election and then they cycle out? I mean, that's that sounds kind of, it sounds silly. I mean, you would think that ostensibly somebody would say, okay, uh, you know, my relative cannot perform the duties. And so I am acting as their, you know, with, with power of attorney or whatever, and they will resign their office. But if Ella Scarborough is unwilling to resign the office and her family is unwilling to resign her from the office, then 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 what? We just we have an elected official that is unable to discharge the duties of her office, but we're going to keep her in there because, oh, well, what can we do when you can actually do something? So I'm not really buying it. I'm not buying it. I suspect there is some. uh, Well, I mean, honestly, like there's there's a benefit, right? If you need a fifth vote. Like for that clergy mask vote, if you need a fifth vote, you can get it. You just got to somehow get to Commissioner Scarborough or her her caregivers, right? That's how you do that. I don't think that's a very good idea. I don't think it's a good look. All right, let me shift gears now to the city, the city of Charlotte. Oh, great to see Mac McCarley. He's the former county, or sorry, former city manager, the Charlotte City, oh my God. City attorney. I don't know why I'm looking at this other story here. It's not county manager. Mac McCarley was the former city attorney for the city of Charlotte. He's now apparently working at Parker Poe, and uh, he's acting as the consultant for the city as they do their redistricting. Don't tune out. This is interesting. I will make it interesting, I promise. Or entertaining. We'll see. Um, well, it's, li- it's live radio. It's working without a net. We'll see if I perform. All right. So the city council has to do their, they got seven districts. They have four at-large, which means the everybody in the city gets to vote for all of these at-large candidates. There are four of them, okay? Then you have the city districts. There are seven of those. Those are all divided up by population, okay? And so you take the census, just like with Congress and the state general assembly, 
Uh, so you take the census every 10 years, you get your numbers, and the total population of the city of Charlotte right now, the uh, the first released numbers, looks like um, 879,000, right? So just under 900,000. you got seven districts. You divide the 879 by seven, and you come up with a number of people that should be in each district, and that number is 125,298. So we're going to call it, for radio purposes, because numbers on the radio are just confusing. So we're going to call it 125,000. 125. That's the magic number. 125K. You want to be as close to 125K as possible. Okay. You got six, sorry, you have seven districts. One of them, though, is 125K. So it's already got the ideal population. That district is District 7. District 7, represented by... Ed Driggs, Republican. It's one of the only Republican districts. District 6 being the other, but District 6 has 12,000 fewer uh, population than they should have, right? They're under. They're at 114,000. They need to pick up some extra population. Luckily, there's a bunch of uh, areas around District 6 that they can just stuff into District 6. Unfortunately, it means that that seat's probably not going to be a solid Republican seat. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. City of Charlotte's going to be going through its redistricting process. And by the way, for folks who are in the South Park area, heads up. They're coming for your Republican representative because, as we have learned over the years, watching Democrats behave in the General Assembly when it comes to redistricting and nationally, really, um, when Democrats talk about fair maps, what they mean is maps that they win, right? Fair maps are maps that Democrats win more seats than they currently have. Uh, That's why, to them, at the state level, a fair map Uh, like for the congressional districts, would yield them a split of somewhere, you know, like uh, like seven to six out of the 13 congressional districts, although that's going to change now with this redistricting effort going on now at the state level. There are 13 congressional districts, and Democrats have argued that, you know, by registration, they should have more seats than Republicans because there aren't as many Republicans registered Uh, In North Carolina, as there are Democrats, Democrats are the number one political party in the state. Number two affiliation is no, not actually Republicans. It's unaffiliated, unaffiliated is number two. And then Republicans are number three. Now, here's the dirty secret. A lot of unaffiliated are voting Republican. They're just not keen on being part of the uh, the state party. Uh, They don't want to be registered as a Republican. And there is a benefit to being unaffiliated. I am registered unaffiliated. I get to vote in any district or any uh, primary, rather, that I would like. I get to pick. When I walk in on primary day, they ask me, what ballot do I want? I can take a Democrat ballot. I can take a Republican ballot, a Libertarian ballot, a Green Party ballot, Constitution Party ballot, if there are, you know. And then there's an unaffiliated ballot, and so which is just races that aren't partisan in nature, right? So I get to pick, and I have. I have voted in Democrat primaries because when I have lived in Charlotte, I only had to, I didn't have any other choices. I was down like, uh, well, once I was in, when I first was in, I was down in, uh, off of uh, 
uh, Selwyn Avenue. And so I think I voted in a Republican primary at that point, if there was one. And then uh, when we got our house down in the Steel Creek area, I that was like District 2. I think they had just redistricted it. And uh, like the city councilman at the time was Warren Turner, I believe. And so that's who, like I didn't have anybody to vote for in a Republican primary in a city council election year, in a municipal election year. So I would vote in the Democrat primaries. And sometimes it wouldn't really matter to me. So I would walk in and I've literally said to the person who asks me, you know, well, what ballot do you want? I said, surprise me. Because I, I knew all the candidates. I'm perfectly comfortable voting in either one of these things, but for different reasons, obviously. So give me whatever one you think I should have. I'm fine. Um, so you've got seven districts. Two are represented by Republicans. Five are represented by Democrats. And at the state level, the Democratic argument has been that the seats should represent either registration or outcomes of elections. This has been their argument, that we want fair maps. This Well, this was their original argument. Then the, 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 with all of the litigation, um, they had to make different types of arguments. And so now I find this to be pretty hilarious in that at the state level, they've been demanding the removal of partisan affiliation and race to be motivating criteria like these are not supposed to like partisan affiliation is now not used in the state maps and past election outcomes you you're not allowed to use prior electoral outcomes in order to determine uh you know which way a precinct or a district might vote so and this is important because like for example uh you go out to western north carolina and the uh the majority of people in western north carolina are registered democrats but they don't vote Democrat, at least at the national level and at the state level. They're becoming more and more Republican, but they're registered Democrats. Why? Because their mom was registered Democrat. Their dad was a Democrat. Their grandparents were Democrats, and they just can't break their mom and dad's heart and register as a Republican. So they, they stay on as a Democrat and they vote Republican. And this has been the case for a long time, especially at the presidential level. And so uh, you just looking at their voter registration doesn't tell you how they're going to vote. So a lot of the map makers were like, well, how did they actually vote? Let's look at those results and we can draw maps then based on that. OK, Sit, the state level maps and this is just the state level maps. Keep this in mind. This is just for the General Assembly, the legislative maps. They have certain criteria. We talked a couple of days ago with Jim Blaine, one of the consultants. Uh, he's the former he used to work with the uh, state Senate uh, leader, Phil Berger. And uh, you got the county groupings and such. There were previous court cases that determined that. But at the city level and at the federal level, the congressional level, those rules don't apply. So you can draw these lines in the city council races. They can draw these district lines however they would like to, basically. And they've created their own criteria. And I find it funny that they dropped two criteria and are focusing on two other criteria that just happen to be the criteria that Democrats have been saying is racist and is partisan gerrymandering at the state level. So the the very arguments, the very criteria, partisan identification, racial data that they've been screaming bloody murder about and been suing the Republicans at the legislative level, they've been doing this for years, for the better part of a decade now they've been doing this and dragging all uh, us all through it. Now, when it comes their turn to draw the map at the city level, what do they do? 
they use the exact criteria that they say that the state shouldn't. Just a wee bit hypocritical, don't you think? Just a wee bit. They also, um, where is it here? I'm going to go into the, uh, I've got some audio as well from their press conference that they held the other day. Uh, Committee members voted to remove two criteria previously discussed related to partisan balance. Partisan balance. Here are the two things that they eliminated, the two criteria. Because here's the deal. Like, if you set the criteria before you draw the lines, the criteria will lead you to draw the lines you want. You're rigging the game. You're, right, you're, you're setting about the rules of the game by which you can win. Like, you know, uh, anybody who happens to have the initials of PK gets an automatic 10 points. Something like that, right? If you're able to set that kind of criteria on the front end, it makes it way easier to win. Which is funny because they already have five of the seven district seats. They have all four at-large seats. This is a nine-to-two split. And they're, what they're saying right now is, like, not enough. That's not a big enough advantage. They would very much like a 10-to-1 split. Thank you very much. Or, as Democrats like to call them, fair maps. Yeah. It's a fair map for you right there. What are the two criteria? District boundaries may be drawn to create or maintain representative balance between the major political parties. They scrapped that one. No need for balance. And then the other one was... Uh, when possible, districts should have relatively even partisan balance. So, in other words, every district has a chance for either party to win the seat. So they scrapped that one, of course. Can't be having that. All right, we'll get into more details up next after the news on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT.